Hello and welcome to the Rob Burgess Show. I am, of course, your host, Rob Burgess. On this, our 137th episode, our returning guest is Jonathan Fowler. You first heard Jonathan Fowler on episodes 2, 10, 20, 21, 29, 30, 31, 32, 34, 35, 43, 48, 51, 56, 64, 74, 83, 92, 102, 103, 104, 105, 106, 107, 108, 109, 111, 114, 115, 116, 119, 126, 127, 133, and episode 82, which also featured fellow regular guest Ash Burgess of the podcast. Jonathan graduated with a BA in history from Indiana University in 2006. He is an unabashed left-wing political junkie. He has lived and worked in South Korea for over 10 years, trying to help the citizens of that great nation hopefully talk pretty one day. And now on to the show. I've been a little bit under the weather, but hopefully my voice is good enough to record here. Cool. Yeah. So the Mueller report came out today. <laughs> or it's pretty, yeah, pretty fortuitous timing that we were going to record this. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess we don't really know anything yet, except that there are no further indictments. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Although I've heard that there's sealed indictments yet to be revealed yet, so that may not mean that people still aren't being indicted. So, hmm. okay. Well, I guess there's that hope. I, I don't know. I think I've I felt like I saw that that was not the case, but maybe I'm oh, really? misunderstanding something that I I don't know. I may I may have glossed over that a little bit fast and not quite gotten it absorbed right. But yeah. Well, and even beyond that, there's still the Southern District of New York that is doing their work continues. And I think that's even actually more interesting than what's happening with Mueller because uh, that's not unpardonable things at yeah. state level. So Yeah, I don't know. It's uh yeah, I just I think it's disappointing though. I mean, I think, you know, people have made way too many uh excuses and allowances for this guy's behavior. I think the fact that he even called publicly for the Russians, if they were listening, to go ahead and hack Hillary Clinton's emails and provide those. And I think, you know, the media will reward you handsomely or whatever he said. I mean, and then they went ahead and did it. I mean, yeah, you you could make a robust defense for that as a lawyer, I'm sure, and say, well, he had no way of knowing that they were actually going to do it. But I, I mean, I, I don't know. I think. I think that's that that should be prosecutable. I mean, that's that was. Mm-hmm. In knowingly or unknowingly, he was giving the go-ahead to Russians who were actively engaged in undermining American democracy at that point, and probably lo- knowingly. I mean, you, maybe you can't prove that it was knowing, but mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, the thing, the pinging between Alpha Bank or whatever and the Trump Tower server or whatever was going on, I'd read about on, uh, I think I read it on Slate a couple of years mm-hmm. ago. So Franklin Four, I believe, was the person that reported that. Yeah, that that was something at the time that struck me like maybe we're going to find out something about this later. And, you know, so, you know, I don't know who knows when and if we're going to be able to see anything that was in the report. And the fact that we're even like moving to have a debate about, oh, well, you have to force the Republicans to release it. They're going to try not to release it. It's like. 
I don't know. This is not something we should have to be fighting about. It's it's just, you know, the guy, should, I don't know. I just feel like we're, we're our, our eye is way off the ball here. Definitely. I definitely had a sinking feeling when I read that, uh, you know, the report had been turned in because, of course, William Barr, the handpicked AG now, gets to decide what and if anything we see or Congress yeah. sees. So, is he I confirmed mean, or is he acting right now? Oh, I believe he's been confirmed. Oh, okay. But, um, I mean, I guess it's better than if it was uh, Whitaker. That would have yeah. been terrible. But, um, anyway, you know, it's like, okay, so on the one hand, if Robert Mueller and his team have been looking for the last two years and change, and they've got it, like, this is the most corrupt person ever. Of course they found something. I have no doubt about that. Yeah. Um, I do have a doubt about how much of it we'll get to see or hear. And I think that it redactions are going to be just a whole, I'm, I'm sure entire pages are going to be just black marker um, on it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, I mean, like American people will never have peace of mind that everything was above board unless they actually mm-hmm. release what was said. And I mean, even then some people are never going to believe it. I, I, you know, this guy, like we said, this is the most corrupt politician people say in modern memory, but it's hard to imagine even before we have the modern memory that there was anybody this corrupt as far as, you know, likely colluding with a foreign enemy power, another mm-hmm. global superpower to affect his own uh, installation. It's just, mm-hmm. uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's insane. And then, you know, whatever happens they're going to try to claim victory uh, on the Republican side. It's it's going to be because they've moved the goalposts so much that if if it says even anything that they can misconstrue as being like no collusion or whatever, you know the the, the phrase is, you know, and there's probably mm-hmm. so many other things to <laughs> that we could, you know, like we were saying on on private message, and I'm sure we'll get to Nancy Pelosi's statement about impeachment, but. You know, like like people are acting like, oh, there's only one. We got like this one case about collusion. It's like no, there's there's everything. There's uh, you know, people staying at the Trump hotel to get favors. There's the emoluments clause. What about that? Or do we just forget about that? Um, Jared Kushner and the Chinese. Jared Kushner yes. and the Saudis. Yes. Uh, absolutely. You know, I mean, whatever you know, whatever's going on there. The, Deutsche uh, Bank. The money yeah. launderer. What about that? That's a totally separate crime. That doesn't have to be collusion. <laughs> yeah, so. it's I think it just says something very disturbing about the state of affairs in America. If someone who is so obviously corrupt and so obviously criminal. Can be investigated and can throw up so much smoke and so much, you know, fire and fury, as the book was titled about about the investigation. And then they can say basically, OK, well, you know. And what what was the point of rolling all these people? What was the point of, you know, recommending lighter sentences for people like Michael Cohen and so forth and, you know, whoever, Flynn, all these people, if you weren't going after the people at the top? That's mm-hmm. that's what I can't get my head around. What's the point of, you know, you know, there's obvious corruption and criminality in this administration. There's convicted and admitted collusion between staff and the and the russians mm-hmm. and people you know a bunch of lower level people fall and go to jail 
mm-hmm. the, the top people are not brought to justice. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is this is not a conclusion. This is not the end, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Right. So, I just like I'm not I'm not angry about it. I'm not uh I'm not butthurt about it. I'm not you know whatever. I'm not you know. I don't think I'm being unreasonable here, right? It's like it's just like this is not you know this is not it. He doesn't get to serve out the rest of his two years. Uh. As if nothing, he'd never done anything wrong, and you know, mm-hmm. it's I don't know. It's uh, it's just from the facts that have happened so far, it's impossible to imagine that this is the conclusion of giving all those people lighter sentences in exchange for testimony against somebody higher up, mm-hmm. and then to say, oh well, okay, there's nothing, mm-hmm. no more crimes, right? Um. It's just uh, it doesn't make sense. So, well, and the other thing too is like you were saying about the thing with uh, Russia. If you're listening, imagine if he had said that in private, and we got a recording of it. How damaging would that be? Uh, you know what I mean. But so he does all these things in public, shamelessly, and so we don't think it's as bad or something. Like it's it's weird. Yeah. Like it's the perception thing. It's like it's yeah. It's, just if it, yeah. Just because you're too stupid to attempt to cover up a, an obvious crime doesn't mean that everybody has to look the other way when you've committed a crime, right? Like, Right. It's like hiding and, in plain sight, you know? And it's like people could say, oh, he was just joking. It was just joking. It's like, well, you know, at a certain point in someone's life, they have to, they have to be made to learn that you don't joke about things that you can be held legable, account, legally legally accountable for you know mm-hmm. and if this motherfucker has to learn that at 70 73 or 78 years old or however old he is you know uh, i don't know you know it's just by the way i know i need to say you know a lot less in these recordings <laughs> i've heard myself before it's a problem i can't help it it's, yeah. it's something about being recorded i think but uh yeah, I mean, he's just got to it, – it, it, it's, it's, you know, how many times do we look the other way? And as far as private conversations, I mean, there was the conversation where he kept the American translators out of the room and the Russian yeah. translators provided the, the, the thing later and he said some things that, you know – and there was the time where he said – I forget which Russian it was that, you know – Oh, I fired this guy. He was totally crazy. But I think I think the Russian collusion thing is over now. It's all over. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, that was that was known. That's a known known. That's something that was done. Um, it's just, uh, yeah. I mean, this stuff happens. It happened. Uh, we're not all fucking crazy. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's like I mean, Republicans made such a big deal about. I think it was during the. Was it was it the Mitt Romney election 2012 when uh, Barack Obama was recorded on on hot mic or whatever with Putin saying, you know, something like, oh, you know, we can't negotiate on this or something right now after the election. After I win, we can talk about this some more or something. I'll have more leverage or something. Mm-hmm. And Republicans just had a field day with it. Of course they did. 
President Obama was far from Washington today in South Korea for a summit with world leaders on nuclear security. But he couldn't escape presidential politics, not after a live microphone picked up a comment that he made to the Russian president. Senior White House correspondent Bill Plant is traveling with the president in Seoul tonight. Bill? Scott, President Obama and outgoing Russian President Medvedev we're still deep in conversation as cameras were ushered into the room. And President Obama was overheard giving Medvedev a very candid political assessment of his ability to deal with the major problems between the U.S. and Russia. All of the issues can be solved, the president told Medvedev, but he stressed that it was particularly important for incoming Russian President Vladimir Putin to give him space on the missile defense system which the U.S. and NATO want to install in Europe. Republican presidential contender Mitt Romney said the overheard remark signaled that the president plans to cave to Russia on missile defense. That is an alarming and troubling development. This is no time for our president to be pulling his punches with the American people. White House officials shrugged off Republican criticism as campaign rhetoric. But, Scott, they did acknowledge the president's remarks. And in a statement, they said, since 2012 is an election year in both countries, it is clearly not a year in which we are going to achieve a breakthrough. Bill, thank you. I mean, you can't say that Trump has done anything less bad than that, whatever the hell, you know. Mm -hmm. Obama was supposedly talking about. You can't say that he hasn't at least done that much. Yeah, but at least Obama was president when he said that. I mean, we had Michael Flynn calling, uh, what's the Russian ambassador's name? Uh, Kislyak or was Kislyak. it? Kislyak. No, no, it's Kislyak. Calling yeah. Kislyak before the even the inauguration, or the, you know what I mean when they when Obama took those steps to retaliate yeah. against Russia. And he's like, don't worry, don't do anything. We'll, we'll help you out when we get there before they're even in power. Like that's a Logan act or whatever violation, you know? Yeah. Right there. That's, and that's the Logan act is that one thing that like has been on the book for 200 years or something, but has never actually been used. And it's like, you know, if we have these things on the book, let's, uh, let's do something about them. It's on the mm -hmm. book. It's a crime. He obviously committed it. It's another case where something that was obviously illegal was just not prosecuted and everybody kind of looked the other way and it's like well they did this but you know it's not really a crime crime we've never done anything about it before and even though these guys are totally unprecedented yeah it's uh i don't know it's it's frustrating mm -hmm. yeah well did you want to talk about uh old nancy's statement nancy pelosi oh boy i mean yeah this is <laughs> where to begin. Okay, I was I was cold on Nancy and then I was hot on Nancy and now I'm cold on Nancy again. And it's <laughs> you know, it's like uh when it seemed like there might have been a challenge from the uh AOC wing of the party, you know, I would have been down with that if they had pulled it off. They weren't really able to pull it off or they mm -hmm. it's unclear how serious they were about it or it's unclear if Nancy Pelosi was able to put them down pretty deftly. And, you know, there was a, a period of time there after Nancy and Chuck broke Trump over the shutdown where I was uh, briefly, you know, uh, 
excited about what she was doing and excited about her capabilities and excited about, you know, the next two years where we weren't going to have a rubber stamping uh, Congress. Mm -hmm. And then it passes, you know, and she reverts to form, which is, you know, the thing that she said when she got became the the speaker, majority speaker or whatever again. Mm -hmm. And she said, we're going to look at things and try to do things in a bipartisan way again. And everybody was like, no, that is not what we just gave you this mandate for is to do bipartisan mm -hmm. stuff. And then when she shut down the government and she won, she didn't shut down the government. When Trump shut down the government and she won, it's like, okay, okay, maybe that was just talk. But now to say that she's not going to impeach Trump because he's not worth it as if this was what a statement. <laughs> yeah, as if his self-esteem is the primary right. uh, consideration in yeah. in all these legal matters. It's like, <laughs> you know, small-time, you know, drug users and sellers get pinched every day. Are any of them worth it? <laughs> no. Yeah. No, I heard all these people, like, defending her statement, like, oh, yes, queen, that was really going to get under his skin saying he's not worth it. He'll probably just try to get impeached to think that he is worth it. And he's like, what are you talking about? Like, that's not how this works. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't say in the Constitution, high crimes and misdemeanors, in parentheses, if it's worth it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. High crimes, misdemeanors, or a sick burn, if you can get one in, will be just <laughs> do just as well. <laughs> And, like, they made such a big deal about her side clapping and, like, she could do no care. wrong. It's just, like, care. it doesn't matter. It doesn't Jesus. matter. Well, uh, Dan Savage had a really good point, and uh, he said that when Republicans get into power, they play it for everything it's worth, and they use it up until people get sick of them. And then mm -hmm. Democrats get in power, and then they lose it because they're too afraid of losing it. Yeah, like, it, it definitely seems to be true, and they're, they keep, you know— I think the Gaslit Nation recent episode that the ladies did over there, which was amazing. Yeah, it was a good one. And they were talking about, you know, nobody's playing 3D chess. This is, no. that's just a, another way of saying we're not going to do the obvious thing that we should obviously do because we want to feel like we're being smart and clever here. It's mm -hmm. not smart. It's not clever. There's no such thing as Karl Rove hoped there would be of a permanent one-party majority. Mm -hmm. uh, you know. You know, five or six years from now, when Trump's in the rearview mirror, the Republican Party will rebrand. There will be a, a fresh batch of fresh faces who disavow this period and want to reinvent the Republican Party. And there will be a credulous par portion of the American public who's be willing to give them that. And it's just, you know, mm -hmm. that you, you can't save up the political capital. That's the one thing I have respect for Republicans for is that when they get some, they get a little bit of power, they use it as much as they can. Mm -hmm. and, and they don't wait for other people to say, is this popular enough to support? They're like, who cares? Just make it popular. We'll do it. 51 to 49. We'll win. That's a W. You know? <laughs> yeah. And the fact that I, as a partisan Democrat, am saying that, that I respect that about them, tells you something that. Republicans will – everybody will have a hell of a lot more respect for the Democratic Party if they play to win, mm -hmm. you know? that's And that's the thing. That's the big thing about the impeachment is, yeah, you're not going to get him impeached. The, the, the Senate is never going to do that as long as the Republicans have control. 
And yeah, you might put a few conservative Democrats in certain states in a tight spot by making them take a vote on this that they don't want to take. But then in 2020, when we have another election, the question becomes, this guy was obviously criminal. He was impeached in the House. It was not confirmed in the Senate. And these are the Republicans that are holding that up. They're defending a criminal. They're protecting a criminal. And that becomes the conversation. Mm -hmm. And when Donald Trump has to go around and go to other countries and meet with other leaders, he has to say, yes, I was impeached. And, oh, God, you know, the Democrats are crazy. Right now he can say, hey, no impeachment, no crime. I'm innocent. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I won my election with record numbers. I'm doing great. I'm winning. That's what he can that's what he can go to other countries and say right now. If he's impeached, even if he's not convicted, he's got a stain on his name everywhere he goes in the world. Mm-hmm. And that you can't put a price on that. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know. That that was definitely the case with Joe Donnelly in Indiana. I know we talked about that in the past, and he lost uh, by a – he got less of a percentage of the vote than – Beto did in Texas, or even that guy in Mississippi against uh, Cindy Hyde-Smith, I don't remember his name, Uh, and, you know, all these deep southern states, uh, he got less, and he didn't even make it, you know, uh, (laughs) where other Democrats in Indiana had made it before, and he was, like, trying to toe the Trump line, or trying to be, reach across the aisle, and anybody that he was trying to reach across the aisle to was not having it, obviously. Like, they're if they want to vote for a Republican, there's one right there, they'll do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I actually got into it with his uh, campaign manager on Twitter after I wrote about it, and he was making all these excuses, and I was like, Look, I don't want to hear excuses, okay? And I kept bringing up Obama. He won Indiana. Uh, Bernie beat Hillary in Indiana. Um, you know, so it's like, you know, these things are possible. And he's like, well, that was only this many votes. And I'm like, I'm sorry, it doesn't count because it's uh, this many votes or the less uh, shorter margin or whatever. It, it can happen. You can win these states if you run like you mean it and give people something to vote for, you know, like that's yeah. that's what you have to do. I mean, this limp wristed, you know, only the Democrats could. Uh, snatch victory from the jaw or de- defeat from the jaws of victory in this way. You know, it's, it's, it's so frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of the Democrats, how are you feeling about the field right now? We've got a, we've got wow. a glut of options, don't we? My goodness. Let's, let's take a look at the list. Cause I want to talk about a fair number of them. Oh, yeah. uh, I, I am I am excited about some and not as excited about others. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of people I'm very, not very excited about, but um, yeah, it's exciting to talk about that. <laughs> All right. Well, let's start out with Elizabeth Warren. Mm, I like her. I think she's my, I don't know. I got to say, I think she's probably my number two pick. Although wow. I think that she is uniquely weak against Donald Trump in the way that she responds to his bullying tactics. Also, I think as, that Pocahontas thing really is going to stick. I don't think that's going away. Yeah. It's, uh, I, but you know, from what I've heard on policy and stuff like that, I, I generally like her. I think she's great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she's talking about breaking up the big tech companies, talking about ending the Electoral College. I'm all for all those things. So, Yeah, but let's talk about what everybody said was going to happen this year but has not happened so far, which is that she, by getting in early, was going to eat into the Bernie base, and mm-hmm. the the far left of the party was going to be splintered by all these left-wing you know, her and Tulsi Gabbard and whoever. 
mm-hmm. you know, Beto O'Rourke and all these people who are supposedly going to bite into Bernie's numbers. And mm-hmm. so far, it's still really early, I think. But like, I don't think we're seeing that happen. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, Bernie's still the man to beat right now. We'll see what happens when uh, when uh, when uh, old vice president gets in there. <laughs> Yeah, Joe, Joe, Joe Biden, Biden. He just needs to throw his hat in the ring. We all know he's going to. Uh, yeah, I saw you, I saw an article yesterday that said that he is basically he. It's, it felt like he had floated an article to various, you know, to the Daily Beast or a couple of places to see how people would respond if he named his vice presidential. Can I talk? <laughs> if he named his vice presidential pick as Stacey Abrams before he's even. <laughs> At the same time that he declares that he's going to be running, right? And I'm like, I think I commented or something. I was like, that's a very presumptive thing for a presumptive future pres- presumptive nominee to do. <laughs> it's like, it's like he presumes too much. I think it's like, oh, definitely. I mean, I have no problem with Stacey Abrams. I think you know she and was it Gillum who was the guy down there? Yeah, he was in Florida. They Andrew both Gillen. got robbed, from, it seems like, and stuff. Well, she was running against the guy who was in charge of the elections, the state secretary of state. How's yeah. that? How's that fair? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, she may be an amazing candidate and everything, but mm-hmm. I, I have no problems with her. But yeah. for Joe Biden, and the thing, the thing that mainstream Democrats don't seem to get is that as part of sealing up the nomination, sometimes you have to absorb the the supporters of another faction of the of the primary, right? Yes. Hillary Clinton didn't do that. And I feel like if Hillary Clinton would have taken Bernie on or Elizabeth Warren as a vice presidential pick in twenty sixteen, she could have mm-hmm. won the damn thing. You're but right she about went that. Tim Kaine. Why did she go Tim Kaine? That was such a bad idea. We we even said that at the time. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a fuck you to the uh, to the left wing of the party, and it cost her. Yeah, what an un- Yeah, exactly. What an uninspiring candidate. <laughs> so for Joe Biden to be ta- to be picking somebody, <laughs> potentially he hasn't done it yet, but we'll see. To be picking somebody who's not even in the race, and he doesn't know where he's going to be in a year. <laughs> or whenever they finalize this thing, and he doesn't know uh-huh. whose votes he's going to need, and uh-huh. he doesn't know if he's going to need to take a Bernie or take an Elizabeth Warren or somebody like that as a vice president, although I doubt he would take them just because, you know, he, I think there's a perception that they need to have somebody who's not white on the ticket. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be guess, interesting. Yeah. I, and I guess Elizabeth Warren's uh, – minuscule percentage of native american blood doesn't count and bernie's jewishness is no longer a separator from the white race or or whatever like it would have been 50 years ago but so we need somebody with darker skin you know for vp or for or for president Uh uh-huh so i think i don't know i'm i'm excited i'm excited for when uh for when biden gets in i i think there's two ways it can go obviously and one way is that, yeah, he's he's the front runner and he stays the front runner. But I think another thing that can happen is he gets in and people realize that a lot of this was kind of smoke and mirrors and there wasn't as much native support for him as there would have as people think there is right now. Right. 
Yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I don't have a huge problem with Joe Biden. I feel like he did some mad, bad things back in the day. He helped write the 94 crime bill. He harassed Anita Hill when she was uh, mm-hmm. testifying about Clarence Thomas. He's, he's had some other bad views over time and said some kind of not opportune things at other moments. And But I mean, I'm sure he'd make a fine president. He's kind of old. And that was another thing I was going to ask you about. What do you think about the age of some people, uh, Bernie and Joe Biden specifically? Uh, I, I don't know. I think it's kind of a non-issue. Um, yeah. I mean, it's going to be an issue for some people, though, I'm saying. like. Yeah, well... We've got Trump in there right now, who I think is the oldest president we've ever had. Yeah, and he's is not clearly his you know, mental state is not that great, though. So, yeah, yeah, he doesn't have the best words, as promised. Yeah. Uh, Bernie's still sharp, though. I haven't seen Joe I, Biden lately, but he I, I presume is still, you know, on the ball. So, yeah, well, he's a gaff machine, but uh, true. <laughs> I mean, I think he, he basically admitted that he's running a few days ago when yeah. he wasn't supposed to admit that yet. I mean, I'm told I get criticized by the new left. I have the most progressive record of anybody running for the United anybody who would run. I didn't mean that. anybody who would run. I have no idea if that was calculated even or not, if it was supposed to be like, oh, that old Uncle Joe, there he goes again. Gosh, just, just a, bumbling his way into another policy statement. <laughs> yeah. What a rascalian. What a yeah. what a what a what a goofy guy. <laughs> I don't know. Um, you know, we can live with almost any of these Democratic. Yeah, I'm just people, looking at the list right now. I could. Yeah, they're all fine with me. They could all make a, a president at this point. Um, I'll tell you who I'm actually excited about. And I, I like his ideas, even if he doesn't get to be the candidate. I hope his ideas live on is Andrew Yang. Have you heard much about him? Yeah, I've been seeing a little bit about him. Universal yeah. basic income, stuff yep. like that. Makes a lot of sense when you hear him talk about it. It's, you know, it's going to be a hard sell. Uh, I think the hardest thing you'll have to get over is people's idea that you have to work to make a living and your value in this world is, you know, by how much you can produce. And I think that, yeah. as he points out, it's it's not going to be based on if you're lazy or not because of AI and robotics and stuff. And there's going to be truck drivers out of work. There's going to be people that are doctors out of work because a computer can spot cancers better than them. You know what I mean? It's it's coming. It has to, you know, we have to recognize that. And he has, you know, solutions. He's actually thinking about how to make things work for people, which which I appreciate because, look, I love Beto's campaign in Texas. I would have loved it more if he'd beaten Ted Cruz. I don't feel like there's a lot there policy-wise. I feel like he's a good personality, and I'm sure he can be preloaded with some good, per, you know, <laughs> good ideas. He seems open to them, but I don't feel like he's, like, a solutions-driven per. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like he's just, this- like... A personality, you know, we've we've definitely let's let's finish up with Andrew Yang, because there's definitely mm-hmm. some things to be said about the, the beta rollout. Yeah, let's let's talk about the beta rollout. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, Andrew Yang is interesting and, you know, we'll see how it goes. I think he's polling at like one percent right now. So but I've I've heard that, like I, I saw some article on the. Oh, is it the New Republic? It's one of those old, like kind of legacy conservative screeds. Mm hmm. And they were saying that, like, uh, he's kind of getting this meme culture built up around him where people, you I know, are kind of disillusioned with Trump or mm-hmm. semi-ironically supporting Andrew Yang, which, let's be real, when people ironically do anything anymore, 
they're not just ironically doing it they're no. actually doing it too it's back to the joking with trump yeah it's not joking right yeah yeah so he seems to be uh, he I, seems to be doing something there i don't know i wouldn't yeah, count I him I out he may not win but i i think he's one to watch you know it sounds like he's going to get in the in the early debates at least yes um, absolutely so I, yeah I don't, I don't see him winning either but i don't know we'll see what happens but yeah, back to Beto, back to Beto. <laughs> so Beto, this, this, oh my God, this, I, I don't know. Yeah, I like Beto. I, he's a good guy, but it's just, I don't think this is his year. I don't know. doesn't feel right. Bob, come on. He was born for this. He was born to run, right? In 2020? Like it has to be this time? <laughs> like. <laughs> that's what he, that's what he says. All right. This well. is his purpose. Um. Beto O'Rourke, former Texas congressman and handsome scarecrow, who raised $6.1 million, a record in the 24 hours after he announced his presidential run last Thursday. And that's a lot of money, $6.1 million. That's almost enough to bribe your kid into USC. (laughs) So right now, right now, out of the gates, Beto looks like a serious candidate, but his launch is being overshadowed by a revelation about his past. Newcomer Beto O'Rourke quickly went from a big start to closer scrutiny. Former U.S. Congressman O'Rourke confirmed that he used to be a member of a well-known computer hacking group. As a teenager, he belonged to the group called the Cult of the Dead Cow. He also wrote online essays under the name Psychedelic Warlord. His writings as a teenager included a piece of fiction written from the point of view of a killer who runs over two children with a car. That's right. Beto O'Rourke used to be a hacker. Yeah, which I think will only help him because it's a great way to show that you're from a more modern generation. Right? Most of the other candidates could never have been hackers even if they wanted to. Like, what was Bernie gonna hack? A telegram? Huh? <laughs> I've breached the mainframe, we're in. <laughs> and- And as for people slamming O'Rourke for the short stories that he wrote as a kid, I'm sorry, but that's just ridiculous. They were fiction, right? He wrote fiction. People are like, I can't believe it. He wrote fiction. What's next? Are we gonna arrest George R.R. Martin, huh? That man's a monster. He killed thousands. No, he's a monster because he refuses to finish those books. That's why he's a monster. What the hell, George? You and Robert Mueller having a contest? Someone release something. But Beto's an interesting guy, right? He doesn't want to risk offending anyone with his past writings. In fact, he doesn't want to offend anybody. He spent the weekend apologizing for that and about 50 other things. I'm mortified to read it now, incredibly embarrassed. Um, But I have to take ownership of my words and understand the way that they make people feel when they read them now. Last night, he said it was wrong of him to make a joke at several events that his wife had been raising their three children, quote, sometimes with my help. It's constructive criticism. It it, it has already made me a better candidate. Not only will I not say that again, um, (laughs) but but I'll be much more thoughtful going forward in in the way that um, I talk about our marriage. Beto O'Rourke on the defensive, telling reporters he regretted saying that he was born to run for president. I'm born to serve. Uh, I'm, I'm born to try to help bring people together. Wow. This guy's apologizing for everything. 
Soon he's gonna start apologizing for stuff he didn't even do. I'm sorry, Tristan cheated on Khloe Kardashian. <laughs> I have to take responsibility for his actions. I'm sorry, people, but this is out of control. People literally wanted Beto O'Rourke to apologize because he said about the presidential race, I was born for this. And they were like, that's white privilege. Are you saying the presidency is your birthright? No. Born for this is a figure of speech we all use to indicate we're ready for something, all right? I wasn't actually born for the all-you-can-eat buffet. It's just something I say. <laughs> this shit is getting ridiculous. This is not wokeness. This is insanity. Can you imagine if Beto took this attitude into the White House, huh? North Korea would launch missiles and his aide would be like, Mr. President, what do you want to do? And he'd be like, uh, as a white man, maybe it's my time to listen to what these missiles have to say. <laughs> be like, breaking news, New York City was wiped out, but the president is a woke bay. I don't know. Yeah, this has been... I am very curious who's backing this guy. <laughs> because... <laughs> because Bernie Sanders on his t- first 24-hour fundraising hits 5.9 million. Right. Right. In small donations, again, the average being twenty seven dollars, as is his thing uh, established in twenty sixteen. And now everybody else does like a pittance compared to that. And then now Beto comes in and his first twenty four hours, he raises six point one million. Right. With an average contribution of forty seven dollars, I think. And I think Bernie had like two hundred and twenty thousand individual donors and from what i'm hearing beto had about a hundred and something i'm forgetting no no no. what god I'm, I'm terrible with numbers but he had about you know roughly half of that or something and you know double the amount price but when he released his figures he said these were not individual donors these were individual contributions <laughs> so there's something funny going on there's some there's some big donors in his thing there that are, you know, packaging their their donations in smaller amounts to make it look like he has more broad-based support than he actually does. And the the 5.9 versus 6.1 number, I don't think that's an accident. I think that was the target mm-hmm. to 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 make a big splash by, oh, this guy could beat Bernie. Look at this. Who is this guy? Um as everybody points out, he's got a you know, moderate to conservative voting record. He's very light on policy right now compared to a lot of other people. Um, a lot of people on the, you know, the hardcore feminist wing are saying that no woman could get away with what Beto's gotten away with so far <laughs> with his rollout. I'm like, maybe, maybe, but I don't think he's actually being supported. I think you're going to see that he's going to fail. I don't think that his behavior is going to be rewarded. And they're like, but a woman couldn't even do this. And I'm like, do what? He's declared for president. There's no one who can stop him from doing that. Mm-hmm. It's like any woman could do the same thing. And, you know, they may or may not be taken as seriously or whatever. But I think ultimately Beto O'Rourke is going to flame out in spectacular fashion. Yes, exactly. And honestly, if he had beaten Ted Cruz, I would probably be on the Beto train right now because mm. that would have been so sweet. But he didn't be, you know, it's Texas. I get it. But it's also Ted Cruz. Come on. Like, who's getting up early to vote for Ted Cruz? That's, you, you got to be able to beat Ted Cruz before you can be president, I would hope. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. It's uh, it's Texas. I, I, I think that his policies and stuff, and did you see this thing where he did a, 
he did like a cross-country road trip with an, a Republican candidate just, uh, in his district. I was just reading that, yeah. And this guy, like I forget the guy's name, I don't really care. Will Hurd, I believe, was his name actually, now that it comes to me. Mm-hmm. And this guy was in a, a race against a Democrat, and the Democrat asked Beto for his endorsement, and Beto, you know flexed his bipartisan muscle by saying, I'm going to stay out of it. I mean, this guy's my friend, this Republican. And the Republican beat him, of course, in a pretty close election. I think I forget how close it was. And then, you know, they asked the guy, what are you going to do? Are you going to vote with Trump? He's like, yeah, I'm going to vote with the president. I'm going to vote with the Republican. Mm -hmm. You know, this guy understands something that Beto doesn't understand. Yeah. You know. Well, I, I have another one I want to talk about because I just fundamentally don't think that this person would be a good candidate, and I don't exactly know why. Cory Booker. I don't know. On paper, I should I should like him, but I, every time I hear him talk, he's just so goofy. Like, there's something off. I don't know what it is. Like, I can't say. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's he's a bachelor, right? He's like the, the, the only person to run for president. Oh, really? So ever long, who's not married and stuff. So huh. I don't know. I, I mean, that may be a thing that he, he doesn't have that that family values kind of vibe yeah. or whatever as far as having a family. But I don't oh, I didn't know. even yeah. know that. But yeah, it's a, it's an interesting detail. I mean, that I don't know if that affects, you know, the overall picture of him. But yeah, I don't I don't see it. I don't really see it. I think he's a he's a very driven, very professional, mm-hmm. very, you know, person who likes to check all the boxes and stuff. But I just, you know. I don't see the fire in the belly, as it were. So, yeah. Yeah. Let's see who else we got. Oh, uh, here in Indiana, we got Pete Buttigieg, mm-hmm. uh, the mayor of South Bend, openly gay Iraq War veteran. Uh, yeah. I I'll be honest. I I haven't followed him as closely as I could have. Perhaps I've seen, mm-hmm. you know, certain people from our high school who. Frankly, I was a little surprised to see supporting a gay man or whatever, but, uh, you know, posting stuff for him or whatever. So Mm -hmm. he may, you know, he may have some stuff. I think he's more likely to be like a vice president or maybe a 2024 type of person or something. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I think he's got a lot going for him, though. Yeah, yeah. What's I mean, what 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 is appealing about him? I'll be honest, I've haven't read a lot of in-depth pieces about his his story or his policies or his you know well, just his whole situation you'll like this he is for expanding the supreme court okay i do like that that sounded yeah. good to me you're somewhat of a policy wonk and you said the current democracy is warped i think i read a quote saying you saying that and that as you placing democratic reforms as your priority if elected to overturn citizens united get rid of the electoral college and to create something what you call a more depoliticized supreme court so that would would you mean Does that mean you would pursue constitutional amendments on all these things? Potentially, although uh, interestingly, you don't have to revise the Constitution to change the makeup of the court to something that's more balanced. A lot of people might assume that it's in the Constitution, for example, that we have nine justices. It's not, and the number of justices has fluctuated between six and ten. I think there are reforms that we could undertake that would make the Supreme Court less of an apocalyptic ideological battle every time that there's a nomination. Well, how do you accomplish what you want for the Supreme Court, and what do you want for 
the Well, Supreme one Court. way that you could do it, and again, I think we need to open the debate rather than saying, you know, I'm walking in in March of 2019 with all the answers. But one solution that could work would be to have 15 justices and only 15. 10 of them appointed on a political basis. The other five would be rotated up from the appellate bench, and they would have to be justices that the other 10 could agree on. It takes the politics out of would it. Would they be lifetime appointments still at that point? If you were talking about a rotation? Uh, well, no, you would, you would rotate them in and out. Um, or but the other ten would be it, lifetime appointments. Yeah, or you could do it with term limits. Again, I don't think it's about having everything fully articulated on the way in. I think it's about opening up a subject that we've just considered closed for the last hundred years or so. Same with the way the districts are drawn. I mean, how can you not say that our politics is warped if so many districts across America are drawn in such a way that politicians are choosing their voters instead of the other way around. That's why our politics is so out of whack in so many ways, especially in the U.S. House, with where the American people actually fall. So do you support a popular vote over the Electoral College? Is that how you would change that? I do. I live in Indiana. Uh, my vote is usually irrelevant. Uh, in wouldn't, it be more relevant wouldn't it be more relevant uh, in a popular vote situation? No, I think I'd be concentrating more urban areas. I, would be, I, I don't understand this idea that it's about the areas. Look, uh, one person ought to have the same power as any one other person. One person, one vote. I don't know why we would want to twist and distort that, especially when it makes entire states from California on the left to Indiana on the right, basically unable to participate in presidential politics in most electoral cycles. Yeah. Um, who else we got? We got, uh, let's see, John Delaney, former Maryland congressman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got nothing else on him. I don't know. Julian I've heard Castro. The name. No. Julian Castro, I'm also unfamiliar with. Is he in? I didn't know he was he's in, in. Yeah. He's in. We've got Tulsi Gabbard, who we mentioned. Nope. Yeah, I'm out on <laughs> Tulsi Gabbard. Yeah. Thank um, you, next, as Ariana Grande once said. Exactly. Kristen Gillibrand. Eh. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Did, didn't she throw like a potted plant at her staff or something? Uh, I think you might be thinking of Amy Klobuchar. Okay. I'm see the fact that I can't even tell them a difference. Uh, you sexist. Either it either <laughs> makes me a sexist or it means that they're not going to be president. <laughs> Maybe both. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, here's one I kind of want to talk about though. I'm I'm more interested in this Kamala Harris. Uh, what do you yeah. think of her? I from what I can tell, I think she's got staying power, and I she think does. wouldn't count I her think, out. I don't. She's not. I don't think she's going to make a gaffe. No. I don't think she's going to, you know, surprise anybody with anything too crazy. I think she's going to, you know, outlast a lot of other people here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I her and Cory Booker both kind of struck me as these kind of young urban professionals who were going places in the Democratic Party. And I think she's the one who's, you know, really lived up to that mantle in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, am I super excited about her? No. Would I vote for her in the general? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, people have made a big deal about her history as a prosecutor. I'm not too familiar with it. I mean, she was a prosecutor. She did prosecute people. Uh, <laughs> well, as I, prosecutors you know, are known to do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It would have really helped her, her, her candidacy now if she would have not prosecuted people. <laughs> <laughs> would have been fired or something, voted out. Um, I don't know what they yeah. do to bad prosecutors. Uh, yeah, well, probably not elected again. I don't know if you can impeach him, but yeah. yeah. Seems a little bit ridiculous to hit her for that. Yeah, I yeah, I think she is going to be, I, I could be wrong, but I think she's going to be pretty formidable. 
I did like how she questioned some of the people that's been before Congress. So she's been pretty good about her Senate or whatever. Um, yeah, she's been I, I pretty like good that about too. that. I don't know. I like that too. I do feel like those, you know, those open sessions or whatever in Congress are kind of a, a just a box for everybody who wants to audition for something to jump up on, and she just happened to do a pretty good performance there. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah, and that was good. I think those people needed to be questioned the way they were when she was doing it, and I enjoyed that and stuff. And I watched all the video clips at the time and stuff. And mm-hmm. that doesn't make her president in my mind, but it doesn't hurt. No. So. Uh, yeah, but well, we mentioned Amy Klobuchar, but that seems to be, she, she seems to be consciously branding herself as like the centrist candidate, is, like no, she's wait. straight down the middle. Now, okay. Amy Klobuchar is somebody that I don't know much about. Well, there is may she be the a one, reason for that. Yeah. Is she the one who went after Al Franken or was that also? Well, I don't know that she went after Al Franken, but I believe she took his job. Oh, okay. Okay. So wait a minute. No, it was the other one. Hold on. What's her name? Uh, let me look. <laughs> Sorry. These these two are. Wait, are you talking about that's running for president? Oh, uh, Kirsten Gillibrand. Yeah. Well, Kirsten, Kirsten Gillibrand was the one who called for. Uh, was yes, the first one to call for Al Franken's job. Al Franken's that, job. Yes. It's probably the Al Franken connection that's what's getting me the getting me having me get these two confused. Mm-hmm. Uh, Klobuchar. I'll be honest. I know very little about her. I know that she's from what I understand, pretty establishment and stuff. Um, yes. But yeah, Gillibrand, you know, I didn't, I didn't love the thing with Al Franken and, you know, I don't know. Um, it's, you know, the Democrat, the Republicans won't eat their own. And yes, in the me too era, maybe it's nice that the Democrats are setting a good example for the Republicans again by eating our own. But as predicted at the time, you know, in the Virginia situation or whatever, where we had, you know, uh, what do we have? We had, you know, blackface by two people and sexual harassment or something or rape by another person and stuff. And then then we've got to do this thing in based on, you know, based partially on the uh, on the precedent of what happened in in was it Michigan with Al Franken Um you know, if we're going to if we're going to hold a standard, then we have to remove them from office. Right. But Virginia is not a solid blue place like Michigan or whatever. So is it Michigan? Am I remembering that right? I think, uh, Minnesota is what you're Minnesota. Thinking. Sorry. God, can we edit that in post? <laughs> yeah, we'll try. Also, <laughs> I, I messed up and Amy Klobuchar did not take Al Franken's uh, seat. I believe it was Tina Smith. Okay. Okay. We are. We're not. We're not. We got to do. Reel this in. Come on. I know we're rusty, but come on. Politico is not returning my calls, Bob. I wonder why. We got to sound smarter. I know. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, Klobuchar, Klobuchar, Klobuchar. I know so much about Amy Klobuchar. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So, okay. So we totally fucked that up, but, um,. But it doesn't matter. They're not going to be president, right? No, I don't think so. I'm not putting my money on either of them, honestly. <clears throat> yeah. Well, with the Gillibrand and the what was the situation? She she threw something at people or she no, something no, like you're, that. No, you're thinking of Amy Klobuchar again. Oh God damn it! Just get out of the race, ladies. <laughs> not all well, the ladies. Uh, <laughs> Elizabeth Warren, you can stay in, okay? <laughs> Just. 
<laughs> we got to manage our image here. This is not going to look well. No, um, we're, we're we're spinning out here, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> what was the other the other fascinating detail of that whole story was that she she yelled at somebody for not bringing her a fork with her salad, and then she took her comb out of her purse and she ate the salad with a comb. Am I eating crazy pills here? No, I think I remember you know, that detail. Yes. That's that's, that's gross. gross. Like that's that's gross. That's you know. Disgusting. Like I have a comb here. I'm not putting it in my mouth, no matter what. It's like. Yeah, I remember one of the most shocking scenes from Fahrenheit 9/11 was the uh, beginning part when that uh, one Bush administration official, I forget who it was, like licks his comb and then combs his hair yeah. and licks his comb again. Who was that? I, I don't remember who it was. It was some guy I know, waiting I know, to go on TV, but like it was so yeah, good, so disgusting. I know who it was. I, I mean, oh God, I can't think of the name right now, but uh, yeah, I, I, I can see his face right now. <laughs> Me too. I don't remember his name, but he was some neocon. But anyway. Um, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no, no. Who was that? Was that Wolfowitz? Wolfowitz. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Good job, brain. Yeah, Paul Wolfowitz. <laughs> I was Back about in the to game. Say, yeah, I was Pearl Wolfowitz. Yeah, I was, I was, was. running through all the names there. Yeah. All right, well, yeah, so we haven't even talked about all the candidates yet. We've got Jay Inslee. He's uh, the climate change uh, candidate. I, I'll be honest, this is, another, this is another Kirsten Gillibrand. I don't know this guy very well. Yeah, I I'm, hear the name on MSNBC or whatever, but I don't know the guy. No, I mean, uh, John Hickenlooper, Colorado governor. I saw, I only know that he's running because I saw a headline today that he watched Deep Throat with his mother. What? Yeah. He went to a movie theater, didn't understand the movie rating system, and watched the movie Deep Throat with his mother. And they stayed and watched it all, apparently. Why? <laughs> <laughs> because he does not, he's not going to be president, Bob. That's why. <laughs> I guess not. Wow. That's weird. <laughs> that's the only reason I know the dude. I mean, I, I've heard Wait, it. I'm again. sorry. What, the... what's so, go back. What's the story? He got into politics because he accidentally saw Deep Throat with his mom and he stayed for the entire thing. No, he. I don't know why he got into politics, but he told this story somewhere in an interview yesterday or something that he had watched. He had watched the movie Deep Throat with his mother. Okay, that's so weird. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's. I mean, yeah, it's. It's. I mean, uh, the the you know, Deep Throat also having the connection with the Nixon thing, of course. <laughs> the uh, the whistleblower or whatever, um, it's it's weird, you know. They say history doesn't repeat; it rhymes. And in this mm -hmm. case, I think Deep Throat is having uh, more connection to politics once again, in a very bizarre way. It's I, I don't know what it was about the like the 1970s, but I don't know. Um, other candidates, I don't know. Keep them coming. All right, let's see who else we got. I think we've covered most of the major ones. Uh... Marianne Williamson, yeah. she's uh, like a spiritual guru. Mm. Um, no there is, yeah, Wayne Messam. He's a small town Florida lawyer whose parents are from Africa or something. Gotta uh, be honest, haven't heard of him. No, I think that's all of them. Is there uh, anybody? I think Bill Weld is the only Republican I've heard that's in. He was the former Libertarian uh, vice presidential candidate with Gary Johnson and. 2012 2016 oh, maybe oh yeah 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 he was former didn't governor he, didn't he didn't he drop out and support bernie or something even though i believe he did yeah and even though the other libertarian of course pressed on mm -hmm. 
No, the libertarians. There, no. There's some sort of a joke, joke that uh, Sam Cedar of the Majority Report is going to be running for the uh, libertarian presidential candidate. Oh, really? I think it's I think it's totally a joke right now, but um, that would be hilarious if he did. If you he used to have a series debating libertarians who would call into his show and he would always make them look like fools, basically. <laughs> so I would love to see him on the stage at the libertarian debate. Um, that would be funny. If you've ever watched the videos of the libertarian presidential debate where the guy talks about like in the future where we're going, we don't even need roads because we're going to have privately manufactured rocket packs that are going to take us to places or something. So we don't need the government infrastructure. And I mean, it was beautiful in a way. You know, the libertarian convention is this weekend in Fort Wayne, the Indiana one. Bob, go there and report on it if you at all possibly can. Those Too people far away. are wacky. No, Bob. Take a rocket pack. Take a, oh, yes, my personal rocket pack. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, I, I guarantee there, there should be some fireworks there. There was also the one – there was another libertarian event where this really fat guy who was also running, he took off his shirt, and he was a male stripper, and he started stripping on the stage. Bob, go to this convention. <laughs> <laughs> bring a gopro camera and just you know gonzo that shit live uh well okay so there's other like, he's the only bill weld is the only one that's announced for sure that he's going to challenge trump the only other ones that have expressed interest i don't know how serious these people are or is bob corker the former tennessee senator who uh, spoke out against trump in the final days of his uh, term uh larry hogan Governor of Maryland uh, hmm. and John Kasich of huh. Ohio. Apparently, they're still like not totally out, so they have talked about it but haven't announced. Bill Weld's the only one that's announced. I thought there would be more for some reason. Yeah, Kasich is somewhat interesting. I think he's the only one who can get a real constituency in the Republican Party, as far as I know. I feel like there's definitely a Republican. Uh, Bill Maher calls them Republican classic. Uh, you know, the old school Republicans. Who probably would get on board with with a Kasich? Yeah, but, I I don't think they would be enough to do. They I mean they wouldn't. Nobody would no. be enough to do anything. They're not gonna they're not gonna successfully primary Trump, and they may not even be allowed to attempt it. Yeah. Oh, I know who else is running for president. That Starbucks guy. Oh, is he still running? Howard Schultz yeah. or whatever. Howard Schultz. Yeah, that guy. Man, what, what an idiot. What a clown. <laughs> I'll be honest. I I haven't seen nor heard from that man. Ever since the first interview with Bernie, where Bernie said, oh, isn't that nice? Or whatever, you know, <laughs> drop some sound in there or something. But like, oh, he won't run if Bernie doesn't run for president. Isn't that nice of him? <laughs> it's like, you know, why are we talking about him? <laughs> why do we have why do we know his name? Most people didn't know his name. Let me uh, ask you about a theory that Howard Schultz, Howard Schultz has now said he would not run as an independent if the Democrats moderate, uh, nominated moderate. Oh, isn't that nice? But you raise a good thing. Why is Howard Schultz on every television station in this country? Why are you quoting Howard Schultz? Because he's a billionaire, all right? There are a lot of people I know personally who work hard for a living and make forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 a year who know a lot more about politics than in all due respect does Mr. Schultz. But because we have a corrupt political system, anybody who is a billionaire who can throw a lot of TV ads on television suddenly becomes very, very credible. So what Mr. Schultz, what is he, blackmailing the Democratic Party? 
If you don't nominate Bernie Sanders, he's not going to run. Well, I don't think we should succumb to that kind of blackmail. The other reason is that he represents an argument that some people make, which is if you're worried about Donald Trump, the Democratic Party to win voters in various parts of the country needs to pick somebody who is not so radical. That's also what his theory represents. Well, I think his deeper theory is, hey, I'm a billionaire, leave me alone. And uh, let me make as much money as I can without paying my fair share of taxes. And let me continue to have undue political fluids, which you are quoting me. All right, here is a billionaire. No one's ever heard of this guy. Well, not many people have. He's a billionaire. He's thinking of running for president. Suddenly he's a very famous guy. That's, that is a problem with our political system. You know, after that interview, I didn't hear, I didn't hear a peep out of Howard Schultz after that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Honestly, I think I feel like the most strong about Bernie. I really do. I feel like he's got the best chance. Yeah, I I don't see anybody beating Bernie. I know that's a crazy thing to say this far out, but I think he's I think he can do it. I think he could have done it last time, and I think he mm-hmm. totally could do it this time. I like, think like, I think yeah. he I think he can do it. I don't think he necessarily will. I think there's a million ways that yeah, the establishment and various people in the Democratic Party are going to try to fuck with him. And I, I wouldn't put it past any one of them succeeding in some way. But, yeah, I mean, he's my number one right now, too, for sure. I mean, it's, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, as yeah. the saying went in 2016 when things yeah. didn't go the right way. Yeah. And, Democrat, you know, the Hillary people and stuff, they're still trying to fuck with him, even after he full-heartedly endorsed their candidate when he See, did. and. Yeah, they always throw the blame back. What you were saying about Hillary not accepting the Bernie people is exactly what they say on the other side about Bernie, that he didn't get enough behind Hillary. I think he got behind Hillary enough. I mean, what was he supposed to do? He campaigned for her, right? Yeah. I mean, it's I mean, I don't know. There was a lot of bullshit that he was put through, I think, as far as by super delegates. I mean, and and uh, Bernie, when Bernie talks, it like we just mentioned, it kind of put an end to the Howard Schultz talk, you know, mm-hmm. and the same thing, you know, all to the degree that we I mean, we never really heard the end of Hillary's emails, even to this day. But in that primary debate or whatever, when he said, you know, we're sick and tired of hearing about your damn emails and she's clapping and everybody's cheering. And mm-hmm. and that was you know, that was I mean, that was a point where that was conciliatory. They were still, that was conciliatory. And he was not even out of the race at that point. He was still right. very much in it. And I think there's a lot of credible arguments that if the race had gone on for another six months or so, he would have eclipsed her based on the way mm-hmm. he was gaining. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, if if the Democratic National Committee had not put their hand on the scales, which is undeniable at this point, and you, you get, you know, Hillary supporters saying things like, well, she was bankrolling the DNC, so I don't see why she shouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you got democracy uh, is the goal, people. Yeah. I mean, look at who we had as DNC chair, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, who worked on Hillary Clinton's campaign. I mean, how mm-hmm. is it again? How how is it that the referee gets to be in with, you know, one side or the other? It doesn't. What? Like, how does that work? Like, and the yeah. superdelegate thing drove me crazy, which I'm glad to see they're getting rid of because, you know, people are always like, oh, you know, Hillary beat Bernie fair and square. You can't say that she that no, she robbed. Yeah. Bernie, but it's like, okay, I'm sorry, if if you have however many superdelegates being added to every count on blasting on TV to, of like yeah. who needs to get the nomination, and you don't think that that Bernie has a chance because he doesn't have these superdelegates, you're not probably going to vote for him 
later in the race because they're already going to say it's over, right? I mean, it just makes yeah. sense. So yeah. if it, that's it's another a, thumb on the scale. What do they what do they call it? A a fate accompli or yeah, what or a, no. Uh, what's what's the other word? A uh, facts on the ground or whatever. Um, I'm look, I'm searching for a Latin word. Um. Oh God, there's I don't know I don't know it. Uh, what what is it? Uh, not the status quo. Um, something something that that is already accomplished before it's even talked about or something, right? You know what I'm saying? Like it's like it's the reality de, de facto. They wanted de facto, de facto, however you say it. They wanted you know yeah her to be just be basically de facto have the have the nomination and stuff. And, uh, yeah, you you can't say that <clears throat> Bernie had a fair fight there, and they'll oh, but he's not a real Democrat. What does that even mean? <laughs> you know, he caucuses with the Democrats. He has single-handedly. I'm so sick of people saying we need a younger version of Bernie. I mean, Bernie's ideas. He's yes, his revolution succeeded in that not that he became the politician that would succeed, but that his ideas basically colonized the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. Uh. Okay, so these people want to have a president who talks about Bernie's ideas but has not lived those ideas for the past 40 years. Yeah. Somebody who picked him up in the last three years, two or three years, and can parrot them nicely now and is a younger, you know, more ethnically uh, appropriate version of what Bernie is and stuff. It's like, uh, I don't know. These um, – mm-hmm. The, the 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 attacks from Hillary people are so facile and mm-hmm. uh, you know it's 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 like uh, you know there there are political arguments that I get into with people or whatever sometimes that I have to stay on my toes and I have to really think hard about how I'm going to respond and stuff but but dealing with the criticisms from Hillary people about Bernie is not you know I can do it with my eyes closed I can do it standing <laughs> on my head it's like it's it's not even an interesting intellectual thing to engage in, really. No, and and you can just look at their careers. You know, what was Hillary Clinton doing in the '60s, and what was Bernie doing in the '60s? You know, Hillary Clinton is the ultimate, you know, politician. I I think obviously uh, I would have much rather her be president right now, of course. But you know what yeah. I mean. But but you look at Bernie. Bernie's been saying the same thing his whole life, and he was saying it when nobody cared. He was saying it. And so that's mm-hmm. how you know, like you can say his ideas are bad or you can, you know, you can criticize them if you want, but at least give him the credit that he's had these ideas for a long time and he truly genuinely believes them. You know, there's an authenticity there. There's no yeah, authenticity with the Clintons, none. Authenticity, you know, it's something that some people say Trump had, you know, even when he was lying, you could tell he was yeah. being himself, <laughs> which Okay, side, you know, that's different. Pelosi he has no, side but he has no him. values, though. He has no morals. So. Yeah, I guess that's yeah. being honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but authenticity is something. It's you know, there's a premium on authenticity in politics. Um, and Bernie has it, and you know, we will see. I think, I think from what I can see, I like a lot of what I'm seeing from AOC so far. Yeah, um, she's really doing good. Man, I really liked her, and I'm going to drop the sound in, but really liked her in the Michael Cohen testimony. She only had the mic once that I heard, but she mm-hmm. basically laid the groundwork for getting Trump's taxes. It was brilliant. Like, she laid yeah. out that New York Times article about how he cheated the tax system for years, 
And then she was like, so do you think if we looked at his taxes, we'd find the same thing? And he's like, yes, I do. Hmm, okay, mm-hmm. interesting. Then she didn't make a big – and then you know what a Cory Booker would have done right there? We would have made some big, flowery, flowing, soaring speech or something that wasn't even really a question. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like that's not the kind of thing – like you need somebody that gets in there and is like, oh, okay. All right, we need to see those taxes then, I guess, huh? All right, my time's <laughs> done. You can have it back. <laughs> yeah. Ms. Ocasio-Cortez. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Uh, Mr. Cohen, I'd like to quickly pick up on some previous lines of questioning before getting into my own. So I may go a little quickly in the, to get it all in five minutes. Uh, first, my colleague from Vermont had asked you uh, some, several questions about AMI, the parent, compa- the parent company of the National Enquirer. And uh, in that, you mentioned a treasure trove, a quote, treasure trove of documents in David Pecker's office relating to information assembled from all these catch and kill operations um, against people who potentially had damaging information on the president. You also mentioned that the president was very concerned about the whereabouts of these documents and who possessed them. Does that treasure trove of documents still exist? I, I don't know. I had asked David Pecker for them. So you would say the person who knows the whereabouts of these documents would be David Pecker? David Pecker, Barry Levine, or um, Dylan Howard. Okay, thank you. Um, Secondly, I want to ask a little bit about uh, your conversation with my colleague from Missouri about asset inflation. Um, To your knowledge, did the president ever provide inflated assets to an insurance company? Yes. Who else knows that the president did this? Alan Weisselberg, Ron Lieberman, and Matthew Calamari. And where would the committee find more information on this? Do you think we need to review his financial statements and his tax returns in order to compare them? Yes, and you'd find it at the Trump org. Thank you very much. Uh, the last, last thing here, uh, the Trump Golf Organization currently has a golf course in my home borough of the Bronx, uh, Trump Links. I drive past it every day, going between, Bronx and, going between the Bronx and Queens. Um, in fact, the Washington Post reported on the Trump Links Bronx course in an article entitled, Taxpayers Built This New York Golf Course and Trump Reaps the Rewards. Where many, that, that article is where many New Yorkers and people in the country learned that taxpayers spent $127 million to build Trump Links in a, quote, generous deal, allowing President Trump to keep almost every dollar that flows in on a golf course built with public funds. And this doesn't seem to be the only time the president has benefited at the expense of the public. Mr. Cohen, I want to ask you about your assertion that the president may have improperly devalued his assets to avoid paying taxes. According to an August, 24th, August 21st, 2016 report by the Washington Post, while the president claimed in financial disclosure forms that Trump National Golf Club in Jupiter, Florida, was worth more than $50 million, he had reported otherwise to local tax authorities that the course was worth, quote, no more than $5 million. Mr. Cohen, do you know whether this specific report is accurate? It's identical to what he did at Trump National Golf Club at Briarcliff Manor. Do you know, to your knowledge, was the president interested in reducing his local real estate bills, tax bills? Yes. And how did he do that? What you do is you deflate the value of the asset, and then you put in a request to the tax department for a deduction. Thank you. Now, in October 2018, the New York Times revealed that, quote, President Trump participated in dubious tax schemes during the 1990s, including instances of outright fraud. 
that greatly increased the fortune he received from his parents. And it further stated from Mr. Trump, quote, he also helped formulate a strategy to undervalue his parents' real estate holdings by hundreds of millions of dollars on tax returns, sharply reducing his tax bill when those properties were transferred to him and his siblings. Mr. Cohen, do you know whether that specific report is accurate? I, I don't. I wasn't there in 1990s. Who would know the answer to those questions? Alan Weisselberg. And would it help for the committee to obtain federal and state tax returns from the president and his company to address that discrepancy? I believe so. Thank you very much. I yield the rest of my time to the chair. I think, I think she implicated a lot of names there. She, who else knew about this? And, oh, this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll be calling them before the committee here pretty soon. Oh, Alan Wesselberg I mean, or whatever. Yeah, whoever. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, again, I, I don't. I like, you know, watching these people grill people that I don't like in front of these committees and stuff, but I don't put a lot of stock in it because I do think a lot of it is performative. But, oh, yeah. definitely performative. And also it's in five minute bursts. Can't really get into a line of questioning in five minutes. Like, the, you know, as soon as you do, the next person's off on some other tangent. It's probably going to be some Republican who's just trying to throw, throw a bunch of dust in the air and they're not even trying to get to anything. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. Lindsey Lindsey Graham has been an utter... Oh. Uh, disappointment in the past what a, few years I what mean, an embarrassment to his friend john mccain first of all my goodness yeah. yeah for what that's worth i mean i think john mccain's own daughter is a, an embarrassment to john mccain every day on the view <laughs> but <laughs> uh, yeah but she doesn't have, she's not in, in uh congress though so. yeah yet. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure she would love to build up the, the credibility to do that. I, I don't think it's going to work out well for her. She's married to the... some conservative. Uh, who, is she, who is she married to? Oh, it was somebody I was surprised by. I was like, wow, she's married to him? Because like, it was some conservative journalist that I, I knew. Anyway, go on. I'm looking yeah. at him. Yeah. Uh, well, anyways, yeah, what we were saying, like, um, oh, yeah. Well, Lindsey Graham. I mean, Lindsey Graham. I, the thing is, like, I mean, I don't know. It's 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 in, it's hilarious to act like to like to see Republicans acting like, you know, Lindsey Graham's got a good point, or you know, Ted Cruz got a good point. It's like, right. do you remember these guys getting cucked like crazy? Like the the conspiracy theories about Ted Cruz's father that he is now overlooking, the talking yeah. about spilling the beans on Ted Cruz's wife that he's now overlooking, the uh, the moment where Donald Trump. You know, said, oh, Lindsey Graham came to me on his knees a few years ago asking for a handout, and he gave me his phone number, and so I don't know, maybe I'll just give that to you. So here's his phone number, so maybe you guys can call him. And Lindsey Graham's like, ha-ha, Mr. Trump, very funny. Okay, yes, now I will support you after you totally just fucked me and maybe get a new phone. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, yeah. Yeah, he said his I mean, phone number, too. I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. I think we even the had that fact, clip on the show, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the fact that Donald Trump can make men like these his bitches doesn't uh doesn't impress me about him and it doesn't impress me about them and it and it it means like when you have a Lindsey Graham on your TV show and you allow him to get to put out his arguments for Trump and stuff on there and allow him to get all hot and bothered in in the in the in the you know in the the the, the Congress there and you know, get righteously indignant about something and stuff and, and not say, you know, how's your new cell phone working out for you? What's your number? You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> like 
Donald Trump made you look like a total bitch a couple of years ago, and now you're his most loyal defender. What has he got on you? He's got to have something, and we, we, I even saw it happen in real time because I remember when he went golfing with Trump. I don't remember what day it was, but it was like he was getting pretty tough on. He was like, you know, Putin's not our friend, and you know, he was going pretty hard at Trump. And then they went golfing one time, and I swear he probably showed the file to him on the green of like the 17th hole or whatever. And it was like, <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, it was it was all different after that. And it was like, wow, this is like some straight mob stuff. Like we've got a file on you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lindsey Graham suddenly wasn't teed off anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> golf, golf pun. I got you. Well, uh, the uh, yeah. the children are becoming restless because uh, I left the eggs out that we were gonna make uh, pancakes with this morning, so we didn't have any eggs to eat uh, breakfast with. So I, I probably have to go uh, here soon. But um, okay, yeah. I couldn't <laughs> tell if you were speaking metaphorically there. I had no idea what was going on. Children, no, eggs, speaking, pancakes. Speak- I was speaking literally about my children and the eggs that they can't have. <laughs> they want eggs? Bob, yeah. you should, if they want eggs, I think you should give them eggs. Well, <laughs> I don't know. You don't technically have to refrigerate eggs, but I don't want to take the chance. <laughs> yeah, as, as, our, as our dear roommate back in university once proved. So oh, that's like, true. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out that after, after about a month in the refrigerator and then a week outside the refrigerator, that yes, you do have to refrigerate eggs. <laughs> Just not in the communal refrigerator, right, Bob? Uh, there becomes there comes a time, yes. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> Inside joke. Absolutely. So, um, yeah. Well, um, yeah. I, I guess we could wrap up there. I, yeah, I, I think we've yeah we've gone pretty hard on the uh, various things here. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I'm not wrapping this up very well. But yeah, I think we've covered a lot of ground as far as the. Uh, we have. I'm going to have to get this out very soon because we're going to probably start getting some dribs and drabs of Mueller report information this weekend, I would guess. So mm-hmm. I'm sure there'll be more to discuss very soon. Uh, in the, I like when I asked you what we should talk about, and you're like, politics. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I think there'll be enough to talk about. <laughs> yeah, do I really need to say more, Bob? It's just like, <laughs> no. yeah. You, we'll just you know go. what we're talking about. I do <laughs> yeah. know what we're talking about. I mean, it, it was very fortuitous that the uh, Miller Miller report was finalized right oh, on yeah. the day that we were basically going to do this. But uh, definitely. But yeah, I mean, this is what we were going to be doing anyway. So yeah. Definitely. <laughs> so, well, uh, yeah, the Bernie thing, though. I think I think we're still on the Bernie train, and I think, um, yeah, I think I, I yeah, mm-hmm. it's uh, we'll we'll see what happens, but I think. Uh, I don't know. There's a lot. There's a lot to watch here. There's a lot to watch. A lot of exciting stuff. We're gonna. I wouldn't be surprised if in a week or two we didn't have Biden jump in, and we'll see how his numbers are as far as fundraising for what that's mm-hmm. worth. And you know, small donors, big donors. I'm sure he may blow everybody out of the water, but mm-hmm. we'll see how he does. Right. So. All right. Anyways, well, yeah. Good talk, Bob. Yeah. All right. Well, have a good night there in Korea. Yeah. All right. Have a good day there in Indiana. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Later. Yep, bye-bye.
If you enjoy this podcast, there are several ways to support it. Join the Rob Burgess Show mailing list. Go to tinyletter.com forward slash the Rob Burgess Show and type in your email address. Then respond to the automatic message. I have a Patreon account, which can be found at patreon.com forward slash Rob Burgess Show Patreon. I hope you'll consider supporting in any amount. Also, please make sure to comment, follow, like, subscribe, share, rate, and review everywhere the podcast is available, including iTunes, YouTube, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Facebook, Twitter, Internet Archive, TuneIn, and RSS. The official website for the podcast is www.therobburgessshow.com. You can find out more about me by visiting my website, www.thisburgess.com. And if you have something to say, record a voice memo on your smartphone and send it to therobburgessshow at gmail.com. Include voice memo in the subject line of the email. Until next time.